you pray with me? Lord, as we just sung, may we come humbly. May I come humbly before your word, before you here. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, I can do nothing. And so I, I pray, Lord, that you would be present with us as we look into your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be amongst us to encourage us and to challenge us, to give us insight. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to, to preach through the upper room discourse. So if you have a Bible, if you could open up to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, the last two Sundays, Pastor Tom has been um, preaching. Um, kind of, we're, we're going to look into the middle, kind of sandwiched on both sides. He, he preached about um, Jesus predicting the betrayal of Judas. And then last week he, he talked about uh, Peter's denial and sandwiched in between those, those verses is what we'll see here today. It's the, the new commandment that he gives. Jesus turns to his disciples, the 11 that are left, some called the faithful 11. And it's interesting, he talks about love. We see love a lot in these chapters in these verses at the very beginning of chapter 13. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. He loved them to the very end. He washes their feet, talks about betrayal and denial, he instructs them, he cares for them. Judas leaves the room and, and there they are. We have this dramatic change in events as, as Judas leaves the room. Jesus says, what you're about to do, do quickly. And now the cross is in full sight for Jesus. He's drawing near, it's in, it's in full sight for him and in that moment, he begins to explain what he's about to do. A little bit about his glory. If you see chapter, excuse me, verses, verse 31 and 32. Am I doing something wrong? Hello? Is that better? That sounds better, thank you. John 13, verse 31. When he was gone, talking about Judas, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. He talks about the glory. He talks about his, his, his glory. God is glorified in him, not just by him, as he goes to the cross, it says he is glorified in Christ. In John 17, 5, it says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The Father and the Son, they glorify 
each other. Although they're distinct, they are one in essence. I don't know if you've ever done this when you, when you contemplate and look at the cross and, and, and kind of I ask myself, you know, do I admire Jesus who gave him his life up or, or do I admire God who gave up his only begotten son? And it's impossible to decide one or the other. We can't decide. Christ The Son is glorified, and the Father is glorified in the Son, and the Son is glorified in the Father. You you, you can't separate the triune God even in the cross. They're glorifying one another. Because sometimes you look at something like the cross, the events of the cross, and say, that doesn't look like glory it doesn't look like glory. It looks like the opposite of glory, and that's the wonder of God's glory. What Matt shared about his friend, thanks for sharing. That was powerful. He got a glimpse of the glory. And it's about his glory and truth. The first 18 verses of John 1 talks about this. We have beheld his glory, full of glory and of truth. So he talks about the glory, then he says, you know, I I need to to depart from you, my children, little ones, in an affectionate term, and and gives them some encouragement, and then tries to explain what's going to happen. I'm going away. Uh, We we see it in John 7, 33. He says the same thing. I'm going away, and when you look for me, you will not find me which is interesting, he almost says the identical thing here in these verses. He says, I'm going away, but he does not say, when you look for me, you won't find me. But he does say, you can't come with me. But then at the end of this little passage of the new commandment, he does say, you will be able to come later, at a, at a later time. But for now, they are together. They are not separate from each other. And so Jesus goes on in verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you Love one another. He repeats himself three different times. And and so really in those three times we have the what, the commandment, and then the how, how are we to love, as I have loved you, and then the why. And and, and so looking at the the what, what is this this command? It says it's a new command. And and, and on the surface, it seems like Jesus is replacing the old command. Love your neighbor as yourself, but that is not what he's doing. He's giving greater depth and understanding to this command. It's not a new command, new in the respect of of time. He's saying, no, this command has been around before. Actually, throughout the scriptures, beginning in, in Leviticus, right? That's a great quote 
One of the commentators says, the new command is simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate. Profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend it and put it into practice. Love one another. Is love evident in your life? And not just kind of, yeah, it's nice to have in my Christian life. Is it the main evidence in your Christian life? I like to ask people quite often and kind of, you know, ask, you know, how is your faith or how is your walk? How is your walk with God going? And just to kind of, you know, create conversations, have a little faith um, conversation and say, so, you know, on a, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, where, where's your walk with God? And most people, being humble, I'd say it's about a five or seven. No one has ever said ten, which is probably good. But, but then the follow-up question is usually, you know, why did you pick that number? No one has ever said, well, the way that I'm loving I haven't been very loving lately, so maybe I'm about a three or a five. Or you know what? My love is growing. My love for my family, my love for my, my coworkers, my, my love is growing, so I'm really at about a seven. No, no one ever says that. Most people say, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm reading this. I'm reading this. I'm doing that. I've been attending this, all content related, and all those things matter. They matter to the end that we love. That we love. Isn't this Peter, if you keep reading in this text, and, and, and Peter says, yeah, love, love, love. But let's talk about the important stuff. What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, where are you going? Don't we do this? You know, what about the, the end times and how is that all going to play out? Do we think about those things more than we think about how are we loving each other? More concerned of what's going on in the news to figure out God's plan in all this. God's plan is that you love. He says, love one another. And then he says, How? How are we to love one another? Well, he says, he says, as I have loved you, love one another. Notice it's not a generalization of love. He's not talking to those outside of the faith family. No, he's talking to those who are in the family of believers of faith. Jesus before said, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as you care for and love yourself, that's how you ought to love other people. Now he's saying, love like a love that I love. That's very different. That's a very different love. The basis for that love is very different. He sets a new standard for love, how we are to love one another. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're to love like Jesus loved, how did Jesus love? 
I mean, you can just read the, the, the Gospels and see several, many different times or, or ways that Jesus loved. I have a few. How did Jesus love? He loved selflessly. He didn't love looking for a return or what people would give back to him. So many times our, our, our love is, is built around what we will, we will receive or what we will get back. That's not the way Jesus lived. That's not the way Jesus loved. Romans 15, verse 3, it said, For even Christ did not please himself, but is written that the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Often, our love is, is driven by our own needs, isn't it? Jesus says, no, I, I want you to love like I have loved you. He was willing to put aside his own needs. Remember when Jesus, he, 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 was, he hadn't eaten, he was hungry, and he went off to pray, and the crowds followed him. And it said he looked upon the crowd and had compassion on them, like they were sheep without a shepherd. That is a kind of selfless love. He, he forgot about his own needs. He forgot about what he wanted. He was always looking to please the Father. He was always looking to love those who were broken. It was a selfless love. We also know, and this is obvious, uh, it was a sacrificial love. Love is perfectly defined by the cross. He showed us love by giving himself up for us on the cross. The reality that he would take upon the weight of our sins on himself. So when we put our faith in him, we could live as if we lived a perfect life in Christ for what he's done for us. That he would be willing to carry the weight of our sin on himself and he would lay down his life. We all remember Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This type of love takes on pain. The world type of love walks away when it sees or experiences pain. The world walks away when it gets hard. But Jesus' love was a sacrificial love. His love was a love of understanding. What do you mean understanding? It, this commentator says, he loved with his eyes wide open. You've heard the phrase, love is blind, not here. No, Jesus loved with his eyes wide open. Jesus loved not because of the wonderful job that they were doing, One had just walked out the door. One was about to deny him. They were all about to scatter and, and leave him, and he loved them understanding all of this. He fully understands you. He, only, he fully understands me, and still with this understanding of who we really are, continues to express and pour out his love. And his love was active. Jesus' love wasn't just 
words expressed. It's probably why John said this in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Jesus' love was active. He proved his love. We, we see it at the beginning of this passage when he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And he went to the cross. He didn't just say the words. He was active in how he loved. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's how Jesus loved. Jesus could have talked to each of the 11 disciples left in the room and specifically told them and reminded them how he loved them personally. Matthew, remember when I met you? Yeah. What were you doing? I was a tax collector for the Romans. Remember how I invited you in? Remember how I loved you? Remember how I went to your house right away and no one else understood that? Peter, I mean, he could have just gone around the room to each of them and reminded them of specifically how he would love them over the years. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He showed us how he set the example, but it's also our motivation to how we love. 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us. He loved first, and therefore, we love. If we are not overcome by the love of Christ in our lives personally, I don't know how we're able to love anyone else. Are you overwhelmed by Christ's love for you and what he's done for you? It's our motivation, but it's also our, our power our source, our strength, when, when he says, here's a new commandment, not suggestion, but a commandment, love like I have loved you, that's an impossible task. Which is why he goes in the next few chapters, talking about, but you're not alone, you'll have the Holy Spirit. When you're connected to the vine, I'll give you a power source, a, a, a strength. And then, and then of course, in, in John 17, he, he talks about that as well. That's how we are to love, like Christ's love, which is a perfect love. Why? Why love one another? Verse 35, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In John chapters 12 through 17, the word world is used some 40 different times. The actual word world is not used here, but it's the same idea. He wants his disciples to be in and go out into the world to show who he is. 
by this, by what? By how you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And the key word is if you love one another. In other words, it may be possible, it may be possible that you, that people will not know that you are a disciple by how you love, by how we love. It was a great quote. It says, Jesus gives the world authority to judge our authenticity on the basis of our observable love for each other. Jesus gives the world authority to look in on us and they have the right to say hypocrites if they do not see love toward each other. Francis Schaeffer says this, The importance of this new commandment cannot be understated, for it gives the world an observable love, a love that is actually visible and tangible. It is not a mystical out there think, but it is something that is observable. There is something about the way that we treat each other that creates with those looking in a desire that I must have what they have. That's my testimony. I grew up in the church. I didn't become a believer until I was 17 years old because there wasn't a lot of love expressed. And as a boy looking on, I said, why would I want? I already feel judged at school and in life, at home. Why would I want to come to church and feel judged even more? When I was 17, I saw some Christians who lived out this type of love. And that's what I said. I, I want what you have. And they begin to articulate and share, share the gospel. Evangelism begins with the fellowship, the love of believers. Our witness to the world begins in here in our relationships here. John 17, 21 says this, and this is Jesus praying. He says, Jesus prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our unity, our love for, for, for one another, our, our willingness to, to love one another, it, it makes an invisible God visible. And you may say, Isn't, that's a stretch. Well, let's look at uh, 1 John 4.12. The context, remember, in, in 1 John, he's saying, let us love one another. Love comes from God. 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. But... If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The world will see when we love each other, when we love each other like he 
loved. And that source, we get that source as we keep reading in the, in, in the gospel of John through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's going to send after he leaves. So being connected to the vine. And then, of course, John 17, where it, remember the Father. Father, and, and he says, I want them to be like us. I'm in you and you're in me. There's a, this sense about being immersed into his presence. To where I'm in him and he is in me and there's this sense of, of oneness. That's hard to get a, 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 your mind around that. Maybe when you're washing dishes, teenagers, when not you're told to or it's on the chore chart, but you just voluntarily want to wash the dishes and you have the sink full of water and you're washing a cup and you put the cup into the water. The cup is in the water and the water is in the cup. The water is in the cup and the cup is in the water. How does that work? I don't know, but when we are in him, he is in us. When we, when we get and, and, and go to be in his presence and his presence is in, in in us. When we get his thoughts and his thoughts are in us, it transforms us, it renews us. He, he renews our minds. He's sanctifying us. And, and we need this. We, we can't just do this apart from him. That's why he goes into these sections about this is how, what I want you to do, how you are to love, and you're not alone. You're going to have the strength. I'm going to be in you. We can't just tune our lives to our own will. A- according to our life, we-, we need to tune our lives according to his love. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Hope you're ready. I, 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 I haven't talked to Pastor Danny about this, but I, I really want to start a choir. It's a mass choir. So it means it's a Carry Alliance mass choir, meaning you are all in the choir. You ready for this? And, and so you're all going to sing, and, and I'm not that musical, and I'm trying to start this choir, and I don't want to be embarrassed. So don't sing softly. I want you to sing loud and proud. I'm going to count to three, and I want everyone to sing ah. There's a point to this. You, you ready? One, two, three. That was not good. <laughs> but, it, you know, not a good start, but that's okay. That was the first time we've ever been together as a choir, right? The reason it wasn't good is because we're tuning ourselves to our own voice. We're tuning ourselves to our own heads and what we think. If we're to love like Jesus wants us to love, if we're to experience and 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 be the witness of love into the world, we need to tune our love to his love. That will we get unity. So 
So we're going to try it again, but thank you for, for bringing a chord for us. So she, Donna's going to get a chord for us and, and kind of tune to the chord. We're going to try it again. One, two, three. That was awesome. <laughs> this is the first practice still. And that sound, I was second try and that sounded incredible. Did it? Or did it not? We, we're, we're tuning ourselves from something that is not in our own being and it brings unity to this diverse group of people, di, di, diverse group of voices. Now I want to try it again. We're, we're going to get the chord of the tune. I want you to tune your voice. And this time, we're going to, we're going to sing the ah, but we're going to continue into amazing grace. Ready? One, two, three. Amazing loving God and pouring out our love to God and he's pouring into us and we're unified with this love that is in the Father and is in us. It's a beautiful thing. And the world will look on that and say, I want what you have. That's beautiful. I want it. You think about it, if we're, this is our call to the world, Jesus was all about this. The Great Commission, go out into the world, and, and what it starts with when you love one another and everyone will know that you are my disciples. Where are they going to see this love? You know, it used to be when someone had a crisis in their life or things were going badly, they would come to the church. That's not the case anymore. We're called to go out to love each other in the world. And I believe the best expression of being able to love each other and as the world goes out in here but also out there, how do we do that? I, I, that's why I think small groups is such an important part of your lives. That you can go with a small group that love each other and you go serve and you go hang out and you go love. Or you're, you're serving on teams and as you serve, to, serve together, people look in and see that. We need to be loving in here but also out there. I want you to see this short, under two minute video. I think it explains that a little bit. Many Christians get together regularly in what they call small groups, where they pray together, study the Bible, 
encourage one another, and sometimes have a meal together. This is a good thing. But then they often go off all by themselves to share the gospel with their friends, and many times they come back very discouraged because they aren't very effective. But Jesus never sent his disciples off by themselves. He sent them out in pairs. And the Apostle Paul went on mission with a whole team. That's because Jesus told us it's by our love for one another that the world will know that we are his disciples. I encourage a group of people to be a community on mission or a missional community where they love one another and are sent together to a group of people. We want this group to see this community of people loving one another because it's by our love for one another that they'll be able to see that the gospel changes us. This could look a number of different ways. It could be a party that we throw and invite some of our friends to attend. It could also be a few of us going to a party that others throw. It could be us inviting some people we know to come serve others with us so that they can see our love in action. Either way, we want to get people who love Jesus to love one another in the midst of a group of people who don't know the love of Jesus. Jesus' intent is for us to be a community on mission, not a bunch of individuals on mission all alone. So can we get practical? I, I believe this new command is foundational of what he wants from us as believers. I think it's foundational in how we can go about telling the world who he is by our love for one another. What may that look like? I'm glad you asked. Uh, kind of from the idea from the, the video, and this might be something you write, if something's like, oh, that's cool, I want to try that. If, let's say your son or daughter plays on a sports team or is in a, a, a dance team, cheerleading team, marching band, don't most of those teams and squads have parties at the end of the season? Shouldn't we be the ones saying, I'll host the party. It's going to be at our house, and I call my small group and say, hey, put this date on your calendar. Small group comes over, they cook the food, they serve the food so that you can minister and love. And they, as they see that love, where else are they going to see it? Unless we start thinking outside the box, oh, no, Willie's dad usually does the, well, who cares? Not anymore. We're doing the party. Because we're called to be out in the world showing love. That's why we're doing the party. Another idea. <laughs> small group. I'm sure you have a great small group. There's good community. There's good fellowship. There's good faith. Once a quarter, invite some non-believing neighbors, co-workers to your small group. You might not finish the book, that's okay. <laughs> Invite them in and the whole purpose is to get to know them, share them, share about who you are and how you care for one another. Don't you think they would love that? We need to do these things. The great story, there's a guy named Benny and he was invited to a small group by a friend of his. Benny, he was, he was a cool guy, very worldly. I said, I'll, I'll come check that out. And, and he came to be part of this, this men's small group. And he, he like just what we're talking, he was blown away. He was like, whoa, I'm dying for something like this. You know, I'm my friends, but they were just like 
craziness and selfishness. And I've never seen anything like this. He gave his life to the Lord. Still walking with the Lord. That was in 2016. That's my best story. We need more stories. Maybe they are happening. Maybe we just need to hear them more and share those stories more because this is what we're about, is it not? This is our call. And if we don't start thinking out of the box of how we show love, then what are we doing? What else may it look like? A couple months ago, um, there was a guy connected to our church. His son plays basketball. And uh, for some different reasons, they weren't able to use the gym. And I looked, I said, Tuesday nights are available. You can just use it. And, and anyway, not to make a long story too short or medium length, but we figured out a way, you know, if, if our small group were to host this basketball team, they could practice here. And it would all work out and it would be incredible. But... We need, like, time was of essence. We need to know today. I texted our small group. Hey, just, this is the situation. We have an opportunity. Like, we would talk about as a church, how do we do more outreach? This is low-hanging fruit. They want to be here. Why are we not opening up this place? I text our small group. I say, hey, here's the situation. It's eight weeks every, every Tuesday night. Within an hour, almost everyone in our small group, I'm there. I'm committed. I would love to, if it was a different night, I'd totally do it. I, I can't come, but I'll make brownies. Like, and then as they come, we started this two weeks, and they come, and it's like, why are you doing this? Because we make them cookies, we make them Gatorade. We're not just going to just, yeah, let yourself in. No, we host them. Why? Because of this principle. Because they're starting to see the love, and they're asking questions. How did you, how did you, how does this work? Like, yeah, we're here and we're going to be here every Tuesday. Why? Because we want to host you. They, they, they're trying to figure out still why. And I think we're going to do a year-end dinner for them on their last night. Why? Because they'll go home and tell their parents, no way, we're practicing in this place. They're letting us use it. They give us cookies and they made us a meal. What? Who is it? What's the, what's, this is a church? Isn't this how we do it? I'm just trying to name a couple ideas. We're just trying to think out of the box. I'll give you another, two more. Is that okay? April 8th, we're hosting an extravaganza. Eggs and hunts and games for kids and awesome. A lot, lot of people come from the community. Bring your kids, but if you may say, my kids are grown, they're not that age. This is why you come. It's not for you. Let the ones with kids go around and have their kids play the games. Your opportunity is to come here and love. Introduce yourself to people and say, hey, I haven't, you might be a little awkward because you say, do they go or do they not go? And say, you know, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? Oh, really? Yeah, we live in the community. We don't go to the church. Oh, Wow. Where are you from? Pittsburgh. Oh, no, I'll use a different example. Because there's like so many people from Pittsburgh or Ohio. <laughs> hey, hey, what's your name? Oh, we're from Boston. No way, I've got a cousin from Boston. Or, you know, whatever it is. And you say, you know, 
nice to meet you. Oh, your kids go to this school. I need to introduce you to Bob and Martha because they lived in Boston for a while. Come, and you start to make connections. That, you guys know each other? Yeah, we know a lot, but how do you guys know so much about each other? Because we love each other. You know, don't you think that speaks volumes to a, a, a world that is the loneliest time in our history, some say? So if you don't have kids, show up anyway. Go online and, and say, I'm going to volunteer. And you may not be running the bounce house or whatever we're having, but I'm just going to be around looking for people to connect with. Because they need to see love. That's pretty cool. Last one. April 21st. Been talking to Grant Spaulding. Um, as you know, he's been working for quite a few years doing the international um, lunches with uh, Bridges, part of Crew. It shut down over COVID, but we have an opportunity on April 21st to make a bunch of food and go down to um, NC State and, and serve a bunch of internationals. And we need some people and we need a lot of food. So we need people to serve and, and they see that love when they're serving, but we also need people just to interact and get to know and say, where are you from? Tell me your story. And even our small group has talked about a follow-up to that is to say, hey, have you guys ever been to an American cookout? Here's the address. Come to our house. We're going to do a, 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 a fire pit, and we're going to grill burgers and, and hot dogs. Why? Because when they come inside the home, inside the small group, isn't that where they see love for one another? May we be a people who see Christ's love, how he expressed that love, and may we look for opportunities. Sometimes it takes effort to think outside the box opportunities of how we can love one another so that a hurting and dying world can see our love and know that we are his disciples. Lord God, we need your help. We thank you for your love, your kindness, your grace that you poured on all of us. We are so thankful. We live in the light of your grace. We're saved. We have a hope in light of your grace. God, I pray that you would empower us. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would help us to think of ways that we can express love. We can't do that apart from you. Would you give us creativity? Would you give us strength? Would you give us power? Would you give us wisdom? We want to see you be glorified more and more by more people knowing who you are. Amen.